We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. A shot on the oh, oh, oh. The crossover. Levine. Get up or get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And we're going to continue talking about the end of the Bulls season. Uh, We put out a call for questions on Twitter. If you guys have any, continue to hit us up. Uh, It's going to be early in the offseason process, Jason. But uh, one thing is for sure, the Bulls have a lot of work to do on this roster. They don't have a ton of clear paths to improve the team. Stefan No wrote a great article today sort of laying out the Bulls' options as a team that could try to improve the roster with cap space or a team that could try to be uh, over the cap and then make their moves via trade. Uh, Bulls fans are lucky to have someone like Stefan uh, covering the team, spending his free time to, you know, to analyze uh, the situation with the team because no one writes about the Bulls better than Stefan, in my opinion. Uh, so we could talk about that story a little bit. And there's just like a lot floating around the team right now and floating around the league with, uh, you know, the playing tournament wrapping up last night, a great game between the Warriors and the Lakers that like fully lived up to the hype. That was really fun to see. I think that sort of set the bar for uh, playoff basketball coming over the next few days. Just a lot going on right now, Jay. So how you feeling? Uh, pretty good. Obviously, we t- talked a lot in our last pod about bulls and the directions. And I was, yeah, I wanted to bring up that stuff. No, like the flow chart that he did and the different options that they could go with, uh, whether they operate as an under the cap team or as an over the cap team. So just I'll pull it up right now. I had that. And just like the, again, general directions, basically. So like, and we've talked about just the different paths they can take some uh, some options they can go with free agency. We talked a lot about Kyle Lowry last last pod. So basically, like, will will there be uh, will the Bulls go after a big free agent, and will, like how will they clear that cap space? And so like, a lot of that has to do with uh, like Thad Young, Tomas Adaransky. Yeah, but back with the cap space. Basically, like w- with guys like Thad Young. Tomas Adaransky, their partial guaranteed deals, all that kind of stuff with Lowry Markinen and what they'll do with him. I wrote something about I wrote something about Lowry at Forbes and about how I think they should move on. We've obviously talked about that. So basically, if they need the Cavs space to sign a Lowry, to sign a 
Alonzo Ball. I know I've seen Dennis Schroeder's name out there as well. And speaking of the playing game, Dennis Schroeder was brutal, atrocious last night. That was just absolutely just a miserable performance for him. I know he wants he wants a lot of money. Uh, I guess I wouldn't hate Dennis Schroeder as on like a reasonable contract, but like he, uh, what he wants and all that, like yuck. But just in general, yeah, like if the Bulls want to do need to clear that cap space, they'll have to clear out some guys. Uh, and that, I mean, if it's for the right guy, it could be worth it and all that. But there are a lot of scenarios where it could just be, it would make sense to operate as a as an over the cap, uh, over the cap team, as Stefan points out in this. Uh, you keep Lord Lowry's cap hold on the books. You keep, you maybe guarantee Thad and Sato's contract. Maybe you look to trade those guys. Again, Lowry, I think the ideal is you look for a sign and trade out there. Uh, I'm not totally sure where. I know we talked about the Lonzo thing probably isn't going to happen uh, unless they whatever, give up a lot more. Uh, so, yeah, definitely no, like, clear path there to for this, this to work out. But there are some options. They have to get creative. Creativity was, like, a big, uh, big uh, kind of theme of our last podcast. So, um, yeah, and then I guess I guess there is also the, the, the Zach Levine thing, which we talked about as well. I wrote about that at Forbes as well, just about how if they do – if maybe if there's nothing out there but they want to use cap space to – uh, renegotiate and extend Zach Levine. They do have that option as well to give him because his normal extension again uh, is only like four years, one hundred five million. That's really not not anything. That's not something he would take. But they can get that up to like thirty some million a year if they get up to fourteen million in cap space. I'd, and I'd have to look at the numbers exactly again to see how they they could get to that number. But that is an option as well if they want to use cap space to lock in Zach. If they don't, maybe they want to give him a year with Booch uh, and see how they do next season. Uh, maybe they go that route as well, but I guess just in general, Ricky. Before we get to Aaron here, uh, uh, we'll definitely get to you, man. Uh, what do you, do you think? What do you think uh, they should do? Do you think they should be a cap space team? Do you think there's any chance they even get they open up or they need to open up cap space for one of these guys? So what I sort of wanted to talk about, and it's an extension of that, was another report by Woj in the Woj Zach Lowe playoff preview that the Bulls are super serious about Lonzo Ball. So that was, again, stated by Woj. Uh, You know, the Bulls have been tied to Lonzo for probably like four or five months at this point. They made a run at him at the trade deadline, couldn't get that done. Lonzo is going to be a restricted free agent. So the Pelicans have the right to match any offer the Bulls accept. would the Pelicans want to keep Lonzo Ball at a number around or north of $20 million annually? That's sort of the big question. The Pelicans already have a ton of money tied up in Brandon Ingram. They, for some reason, decided to give Steven Adams a big extension at the start of the season. And they only have two more years now until they need to give Zion a max extension. So all of this is sort of coming to a head for the Pelicans. The Pelicans seem like they like Lonzo Ball but do not love him. Uh, And the Bulls view him as sort of the connecting piece that can be between Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. I don't think Lonzo Ball is the true answer to the Bulls' point guard problems. Yeah, But there's a school of thought that with Levine and Vucevic handling the majority of the playmaking duties, that Lonzo could just sort of be a connecting piece between those two guys. Uh, He could sort of serve as both a 3 and D guy, as someone who... I think he hit 37 or 38% of his threes this season. High volume. Uh, 
on high volume yet. Really, he can only shoot threes uh, in terms of scoring. He doesn't beat you much off the dribble, so that's why he's not really a true point guard. Doesn't put any pressure on the rim, but uh, where he is good is just sort of his, like, tying everything together. He's good in transition. Uh, And I think that, you know, between Vooch, Levine, and Lonzo, they would have enough playmaking there to get then put two more defensive-minded guys in that starting lineup. And, you know, maybe you have a a tough team that also has two go-to scorers in Vooch and Levine, and maybe you got something there to be, you know, the four, the five, the six seed next year in a best-case scenario. Uh, So it's it's really interesting, Jason, and it seems to me like Lonzo is the plan A. Now, how do they get him? Do you disagree that he's the plan A? Do I disagree with that? Uh, I mean, it's I mean, the rumors have been out there a ton. So, uh, I mean, it sure seems like that they'll try to get him in some way. I mentioned, like, the sign-and-trade stuff. Like, it seems like if we want to include Laurie, it just doesn't seem like that. If they have to go under the cap to get him, like, are they going to give him – are they going to get 20, $25 million under the cap to pay him like that and maybe have to lose guy, a guy like that? Again, I'd have to crunch the numbers exactly again, but uh, we'll see on that. Let's Before we talk any more about this – You've obviously talked about Lonzo. Let's give Aaron a chance to ask his question. So, Aaron, go ahead. You have the floor. Um. Well, uh, about the playoffs. Um, you could see uh, what was the thing last night, but um, the Bucks played the Heat last night. Um, the Bucks did win, but um, apparently Jimmy Butler was out from was it like a little back injury or something? Um, do you think that will have? Do you think he'll be missing any games against the Bucks in the playoffs? Uh, and, um, yeah, that's really it, because, um, I think that's gonna be, um, a big game, like, uh, last year, um, the Bucks, um, Yanis got an injury in the bubble, and, um, the Heat just, um, the Heat, uh, played very well in the bubble, and they beat them, but what about this time around, what do you think about, um, this matchup in the playoffs? Uh, I mean, always welcome for a Jimmy Butler question, even if that was not necessarily about Lonzo. But I, I think Jimmy missed the last game of the regular season or the last couple games, maybe, uh, just because of one of his back injury. I would probably pick the Bucks to win this time around. I, I, I really like the yeah, – I mean, I love Jimmy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm sure he'll play. I don't think he's going to miss any of these playoff games. I don't think it's that bad. I think they were just resting him whatever. It should be a fun series. Again, if the Heat do beat the Bucks again, that would be kind of hilarious just – especially in the first round this time, but always rooting for Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy would solve a lot of the Bulls' problems right now, but uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, but back to Lonzo Ball. My, my two cents on this series, too. Yeah, go ahead. Since we're talking about it already, it's like, I almost think this is the best thing that could have happened to the Bucks. And you don't want to put too much into like the psychological mindset of a team heading into the playoffs. But losing that series to the Heat last year was just absolutely devastating for them. The Bucks immediately responded by getting Drew Holiday and then, more importantly, locking up Giannis with the extension. Uh, in this series, right off the bat, it just tells you if things are going to be different, right? And it's not just the addition of Drew Holiday. The Heat also, I don't think, have as much juice as they had last year. I don't really think they can count on Drogic to be as impactful. I think, you know, just when you add someone like Holiday, like how do the Bucks or how do the Heat sort of cover another top 25 player like that in the mix? So I would take the Bucks. I do. I could definitely see it going seven if the Heat get some hot shooting nights. 
But in general, I favor the Bucks in that series. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks go to the finals, Jason. Wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I, I would be surprised just because I feel like the Nets are just so ridiculously good uh, at this point with their with their talent level. But, I mean, the, I mean, the Bucks do seem like they're at least better equipped this time around. Like, Holiday is obviously a huge difference maker. Seems like Bud was a bit more willing to try some stuff in the regular season, uh, just do, just doing different things. Because obviously he got he was reamed for being too stubborn. We'll see how much he plays like Giannis and Middleton and Holiday in the playoffs instead of like playing them like 35, 36 minutes a game. Will he actually play them like 42, 43 when they need to? Uh, I mean, we'll see obviously if Giannis how the Heat defend Giannis. We know they had an answer for him la- uh, last season, uh, so we'll see on that front. I mean, it definitely is a fascinating series again. Uh, a lot of the, you mentioned Dragic, I mean, like Tyler Hero, like, will he step up again? He kind of struggled for a lot of the season. He started to pick it up lately, though. Duncan Robinson, like, if those guys are hitting threes and, like, Dragic is going off again, yeah, the Heat could win. Uh, I'm, I don't think, I just, I'd be surprised if it did happen again, even if I will, would love to see Jimmy advance deep again. For sure. Uh, we had a question about Billy Donovan, so I guess we, we just talk about billy donovan's first season as bulls head coach do you have that se- that do you have that question up jason to read I it sure up? Do. yes this is from uh let's see oh it doesn't have a name on twitter but whatever other than being not boiling how would you assess donovan this year he seems like a real pro and gives incisive interviews but stuff like frustrating lineup decisions starting kobe for so long lowry lowry vooch for long stretches was disheartening um we didn't really talk about billy that much on our last pod uh, we talked about him a bit before and just, and some of the stuff with like player development and our thoughts on him. And I, my general thoughts on Billy, I feel like that he, that he had a fine season. He was in kind of a weird spot uh, trying to thread this needle of uh, winning games and developing the young players. And obviously at the start of the year, he made the decision to start Patrick Williams that, and they went with this all young starting lineup and it did not work. He did stick with it for a while uh, let gave Kobe a lot, a pretty long leash to start the season before benching him. Uh, he did try some weird, I mean, he tried some weird stuff with like Lowry at small forward, which was brought up here, uh, playing him in those bigger lineups. Uh, I mean, like, and something I've said, always said is that like lineup decisions are one of the easiest things for us to question because we see stuff, we see something that like just doesn't seem to make sense and stuff that might not be working. If you like looking at the numbers and it's just really easy to criticize, uh, and like I said, I think I, I think there is room for criticism there for sure uh, in terms of Billy's lineup stuff and like in-game decisions and all that. I d- definitely don't think he was as bad as like Jim Boylan. Boylan. Clearly, clearly, Boylan is a, was a joke. It's bad, and Billy's a clear upgrade there in terms of uh, professionalism, just general like people. The guys like seem to respect him and all that. So overall, like I'd give Billy like a I don't know like a B minus maybe. Like I said, I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was great. I think he did an adequate job. He was an upgrade, uh, and I think he'll be fine moving forward. Is he, like, the definite answer here? I'm not totally sure. But, uh, Colin, before we get to you, Ricky, we'll have, we'll have your take on uh, Billy Donovan here first. All I'm going to say is that I think the honeymoon period is over with Donovan. For the first quarter of the season, or maybe the first half of the season, the Bulls were playing better. He was using Thad Young the right way. Uh, just, you know, he just brought a level of seriousness and professionalism that the team lacked last year. So everything seemed great. Uh, obviously, there were there were some issues in the second half of the season. You can wonder how much of that was Donovan's fault or if it was just the, you know, the construction of the roster. Uh, 
I think that, you know, he was put in a tough spot where he has to play Lowry Markkinen at the three uh, because they just didn't have any real wings on the roster. Like when someone like Troy Brown going going down just like destroys your entire rotation or Garrett Temple missing a stretch of games destroys your wing rotation, you know that like there's just not too much you can do about it. Uh, what frustrates me about Donovan is that he didn't play Devin Dotson at all. Uh, I think that his, you know, the way he used Patrick Williams could certainly be up for debate as to whether or not that was beneficial. And same thing with Kobe. Like, I get that he wanted to see what he had in Kobe at point guard. Uh, but, you know, he might have waited a little too long to pull the trigger on that and to get him in a spot where he can truly succeed. So my my main take on Donovan is that I think by no means has he proven himself to be a great coach for the Bulls yet and that next year will really be the true determination of how good he is because he was dealt a tough hand this year with the lack of practice time, with the big midseason trade, uh, just with the roster being so loaded in the front court. So uh, I don't think we can make any sweeping judgments, judgments on Donovan yet. But I think it's fair to be a little skeptical, and I think it's fair to expect more out of him heading in. Absolutely. Colin, let's uh, have your question, comment. You're up. Hey, what's going on, Jason, Ricky? Uh, appreciate you guys coming up always and uh, providing the great insight. Um, I would second, you know, pretty much everything you guys said about Donovan. Uh, it's so hard to make judgments off a year like this unless you're, you know, Pacers caliber arguing with players, <laughs> you know, on the floor and, and things like that, you know, unfortunately. Especially a guy with Donovan's track record. Like, he's going to be fine going into the offseason, but there's probably going to be somewhat of a candid conversation I would anticipate uh, going in where there's going to be a, a line drawn with expectations. Uh, I was going to ask you guys about Kobe because I the numbers don't necessarily support it. I've done a little digging. I feel like that he looked – he started to get more comfortable in the last couple of games with Vucevic, and I think there may be something there, and I think they definitely see something. Uh, I think that Vucevic is a, is a big help for Kobe just based on the things that he struggles with as somewhat of a non-natural point guard. I mean, would you guys agree? Yeah, that's something we brought up, that he definitely did just playing more in that off-ball role and spotting up off Zach and Vooch. Like, those guys can draw a lot of attention and just allows Kobe to just kind of hang out around the perimeter and gun up threes. We've 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 said that just, like, Kobe can stick in the league for a long time just because he can get shots up. And if he can get that, th- that three-point percentage up just a little bit, I know I don't have his numbers in front of me. Like, the, the end of the season, I feel like, uh, I felt feel like a little better. I know there were some games he was still pretty rough. But like overall, it still would be nice to get see him get up to whatever high thirties and three point percentage. I do believe his catch and shoot three point numbers are that high. So like when you're pounding the ball down to Vucevic in the post, other teams have to double. Kobe is pretty good and uh, just spotting up and finding spaces beyond the arc, getting those shots, kick out for open threes. Obviously, same with Zach when Zach is driving or when he's running pick and roll with Vuce. If you have Kobe off somewhere else be ready to spot up, shoot open threes, and all that kind of stuff. I think that's great. I think Kobe can be an asset on this team uh, with, with that uh, just playing that kind of role. Can he do that as like a full-blown like starter next to Zach uh, and the Bulls be like a really good team? I feel like you'd probably need like – you need like I feel like a really a better stud wing at the three for that to work. Like there's there's still the defensive issues. It's not it's not just the offense. Like, I think they could definitely be dangerous offensively, but can the Bulls build a championship level defense if those three guys are playing like your heaviest minutes? I I just don't know about that. Obviously you hope Pat develops really strongly there as well. 
but uh, and then you'd probably you'd need a really good wing defender in there as well to help make up for those guys. But I've been talking myself back into Kobe a bit more. I definitely am very skeptical about the point guard thing. I just don't know if he'll ever be a quote unquote point guard of the future. But I've been talking myself into him more as a guy that can play off Zach and Vooch more. Even if even if he is just a six man, uh, he's just kind of a fun player. You hope he develops more. And I guess how about this? It all depends on his defense. Is there any yep. chance he can become a more impactful defender with more experience? Or is he going to be too limited by his lack of length and lack of muscle? Because, you know, he's one of the few guys in the league with a negative wingspan. I think he stands six foot five with a six foot four wingspan. Uh, you know, some other examples of guys like that Kevin Love, Steph Curry, JJ Redick. Uh, so it's not exactly a death knell for an NBA career by any means, but. It does limit you on the defensive end. So I do wonder, like, three years from now, four years from now, like, it, can Kobe White get jacked? If, <laughs> if he got jacked, would that help him? That would him? certainly help, yeah. Would it help him? It would help, <laughs> right? And he did cut his hair. So he's obviously uh, directing some focus towards his uh, parents and build. <laughs> yeah. But last year, if you remember, he did a fake thing where it looked like he had a shaved head, but really it was an Instagram filter or whatever. So I'm not totally sure Kobe has cut his hair. I think he's kind of the boy who cried wolf after pretending to go bald last year. So we got to keep an eye on that. But anyways, (laughs) I think it all comes down to Kobe's defense. If Kobe can defend at a league average level, I think he can be a keeper long term as a guard who can be an elite catch and shoot option playing off Vucevic and playing off Levine. What Kobe can do, his special skill, is his ability to get up three-pointers. Three-point rate is the stat with Kobe. And while his three-point percentage hasn't been great to this point in his career, he did shoot 90% from the foul line this season, which is typically an indicator of someone's shooting ability. He was much, much better on catching shoots than off the dribble shooting. That is a theme that goes back to his days at North Carolina. When he was entering the draft, that was a big part of his scouting report. He's a great spot-up shooter. He's not a great off-the-dribble shooter. Well, just being a spot-up shooter can have immense value, If you can get up threes at a high frequency, which Kobe can do, and then you can't be targeted defensively. Like, if he's going to be a long-term staple, he can't be a guy who wears a target on his chest the way that, you know, Doug McDermott used to have when he was on the Bulls, where teams would just target him in the pick and roll every single time down the floor. Same thing with Kobe. Teams are going to be hunting switches against him if he proves he can't hold his own defensively. So I do think Kobe makes some smart rotations defensively. I don't think he's totally a lost cause. I do think he's limited by his lack of size. And you look at him on paper as a 6'5 guard, he should be big, but he does not play up to that size because he doesn't have the length and he doesn't have the strength. So for Kobe, I think the number one thing he should do is try to get as good as he can defensively and really try to add muscle uh, while still maintaining a shooting. Yeah, got it. fighting through screens, obviously a big thing with all that. Uh, Colin, you got anything else for us? No, no, not at all. I appreciate it, fellas. All right, yeah, thank you Thanks for the question. Thanks for coming up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's wrap up here and talk, about, talk a bit about these playing games. Uh, I guess, I don't know if we've ever talked about Ricky, are you a fan of the playing tournament? Do you like this? I mean, the first couple games were pretty brutal. I know uh, I was shocked by the Hornets just laying a total egg, and the Bulls could have done that. Uh, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. I said this. I, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised given the Bulls beat the Hornets' ass all three times this year. But the Pacers, huge injury report. I was shocked that they came out and just destroyed them. Uh, uh, they just played really well. And then obviously Tatum went off in that second game and Celtics won that game pretty handily. And then I mean, last night's games, as you mentioned, were awesome. Warriors Lakers lived up to the hype. Totally. You get LeBron game winner in the final minute, just uh, tons of drama. Uh, I know the the officiating was kind of crappy and all that, but I mean, the game itself was pretty awesome. And even the Grizzlies Spurs game was pretty good as well. I mean, two just kind of like throwback playoff games. Like actually like just not the other two games were super high scoring. Like last night was more like, uh, was more of a playoff, just intensity, playoff atmosphere. So, Ricky, are you a playing tournament guy? And like, do you think that's going to stick around? And like, listen, what did you make of these couple games, these few, the first few games? Yeah. So on Monday, Monday morning, I wrote a column for SB Nation saying that the play-in tournament was already a success before it even happened uh, because it made the end of the regular season so much fun. The last day of the regular season, in particular, you had all thirty teams playing. There were stakes attached to those games for the vast majority of the teams. Uh, And then, you know, we came out of it with this Lakers-Warriors matchup that had a ton of hype and, quite frankly, lived up to it. So, uh, yeah, I am a fan of the playing tournament, but the more I think about it, I really do think that it puts a ton of stress on the players. And I don't know if you watched the Celtics Celtics game. I I watched the second half. So guys were just going down left and right in that game. Like Marcus Smart, I thought, suffered a serious injury. He ended up coming back being okay. Robert Williams went down in that game too. So like 82 games, there's only an 82-game schedule. So the owners can make as much money as possible in their TV deals and by selling out the arenas. Uh, For the players, that's like not an ideal number of games, right? Like the players would like to play less games, but... They have to play that many because that's what the owners want, and that's going to make the league the most money. Sort of the counter to that has been load management in recent years, right? Like the idea that, well, not every regular season game matters, and so the players can then rest uh, and, you know, not have to go, not have to go all out uh, every game of the season. But by putting the play-in tournament in, now the players do face more pressure to go as hard as they can for every single game. And, you know, of course, like, a year from now when there's fans in the stands, I'm absolutely sympathetic to that. The idea that, like, you know, a working family is spending a bunch of money to go to a game, and you want to see LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard play when you go to those games. But to me, the only actual compromise that combines both player safety and competitive balance would be going to a shorter schedule and spreading the games out a little bit more, like go into maybe a seven game schedule or a seventy game schedule, uh, spread it out over six months, 
like the 82-game season is. And then you can have a situation where the regular season really does matter. The play-in tournament makes so many more spots matter in the standings. Like, there's a big difference between getting the 8th seed and the nine seed going into the play-in tournament. There's a huge difference between getting 6th and 7th. Uh, and I think, like, the play-in tournament is a great idea at its core. But I do think that, like, again, it just sort of screws the players. Because now it puts more stress on the players to go all out in these regular season games when, you know, basically load management was invented as a way to give the players a break before the postseason. So I'm very sympathetic to it from the player's point of view. And, uh, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, from the fan standpoint, it's awesome. But I do think there are legitimate concerns about sort of overtaxing. I feel like that was Cuban's point, especially for this season. This season was so condensed. I do think if they spread it out, because obviously there was only 72 games a season, but like this down the stretch was just crazy with the amount of games. Uh, I really do wonder if they ever would. I mean, it's been a long, it's been a, I feel like a long time conversation of should they make the season, whatever, 66 games or 72 games, basically what it was last, these last couple of years. And then that, that other lockout year, like, and you spread, you spread out, you give more time off, you let guys rest more so, so that they'll play in all these games and they'll be totally fine. I, I do kind of, I, I would have no problem with that. I mean, I have no issue I mean, 72 games, obviously, was a bit more condensed this year. But, like, 72 versus 82, like, I'm totally fine playing 72 only. Uh, I just don't know if that's ever going to happen because of the revenue and the extra money from playing 82 games. Like, I just I just don't really know if that would ever happen. Um, so, I don't know. In general, the, the, the pure entertainment level, like, last night was, was awesome. Uh, it made me want to see the Bulls back in, uh, back in playing playoff basketball, even play in basketball. Uh, so it was definitely a ton of fun. I see we got our guy Seth No just joined. We were talking about your flow chart earlier, Seth. If you're able to, if you want to come up and talk, if you have any want to talk about your Bulls off season flow chart at all, uh, you are more than welcome to. If not, obviously totally fine if you're busy. But we did talk about that a little bit earlier about Bulls being under the cap, over the cap, uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'll give you a. I'll, Invite to speak if you want, but if you can't, you can't. Uh, you can obviously shoot me down. Um, Chase, I have a question for you. Yeah, looking around the league, do you think that there's any like potential bigger name players who could change teams based off what happens in the postseason? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if uh, I guess you know one example, this would be a super extreme example. Why? But if yeah, if the Clippers were to get upset by the Mavericks. You know, Kawhi is a free agent. Would Kawhi maybe be looking to change teams? So that would be like the top end guy. And obviously, Kawhi is a free agent. Uh, you know, you can look at the Blazers. If the Blazers, you know, go out with a whimper against the Nuggets, do they look to blow that up? Maybe they trade CJ McCollum. Uh, not even saying like specifically guys for the Bulls, though. Of course, I'm mostly looking at guys for the Bulls, but just players around the league in general who could change. You know, whose uh, futures could be decided by what happens in. The- um, I mean, the Kawhi thing, I I would still be pretty shocked if he left uh, after just all the hubbub getting him there. But, I mean, it would be hilarious uh, if they just flame out twice in a row and then he bounces after all that. Uh, the, the Blazers thing is super interesting just because of some of the, like, stuff through the media that Dame is clearly, like, sending messages out that, like, if we fall short, like, Terry Sotts has got to go. There need to be big changes with the roster because, like, I would love to stay in with – uh, with Portland, but uh, 
like I I'm whatever 31, 32, whatever he is now, however old he is, and like I want to win a championship, and like I want to win it here, but like if that's gonna happen, like I gotta, uh, uh, big stuff needs to happen, and he's obviously been really gung ho about like not like going to form a super team elsewhere. So uh, Blazers will be very very interesting. Uh, a few other qu- uh, comments in here. Uh, we have Colin again with Chris Stapps, Porzingis. Obviously, Porzingis has been uh, in trade rumors. His his health is an issue. Like, I really don't know what to make of KP at this point. Like, he when he is healthy, he still is pretty damn good. But like, and he looked rough at the beginning of the season. Uh, his numbers ended up looking pretty okay this season. Uh, but the health thing is, that he's just always hurt. Uh, he's on a huge contract. Uh, latest rumors I saw was that that they weren't. Like they don't really want to trade him, but like I mean, if someone gave him like a uh, if someone uh, gave the Mavs a big offer, maybe they would look to trade him. Like I don't think that's something the Bulls should really look into. Again, uh, I, I don't know if I really see the fit there, and just like the injury stuff, and I don't know if the Bulls have what I would want, or what the Mavs would want to trade for him. Um, <laughs> does Kyle Kuzma request a trade? The Lakers don't go back to back. I don't know. I think Kuzma probably loves what he's doing in LA. He's just kind of like hanging out. Uh, gets to do whatever the hell he wants. He's like, he's not, no like real expectations for him anymore. It's kind of settled into a nice role. Uh, question from Michael. Does Ben Simmons become available with the Sixers get bounced early? That I think is super interesting. Uh, because obviously those rumors have also been out there for a long time about breaking up Embiid and Simmons. With, with Embiid becoming like legitimate MVP, defensive player of the year player this season, like, I, I don't, I feel like trading Embiid would be insane unless, I mean, you get just like, an absolute crazy offer, but like, if the Sixers do struggle offensively again and Simmons' offensive shortcomings do show up in the playoffs, like, would they? Like, I mean, maybe. I'm not totally sure. Ricky, do you think the Sixers would maybe move on from Simmons if they if they flame out as the – because they're the one seed, right? Yeah. I think maybe. I, don't, I wouldn't count it out. Yeah, but if they were going to move on from Simmons, with Maury in charge, it's hard for me to see them not going after a player even better than Simmons. Right. I mean, like, obviously there was the Harden stuff and, like, who knows how close that actually was? Because I mean, theoretically, you would have figured the if you put Ben Simmons on the table, that's the offer the Rockets should have taken. Uh, depending, I know they were asking for a lot of other stuff as well, but yeah, I mean, if you like, if they were hesitant to do that, and like you weren't, you were hesitant to trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, like I, who else are you trading him for? That would be that much better. But I mean, you, you do just wonder though after these all a decent amount of time together at this point, especially if they like flame out in like epic fashion. Like obviously, if they lose whatever to the Nets. You lose to the Nets. You're losing to like historic, historically talented team. But if uh, if they lose, I mean, I guess I don't see them. I don't see how they'd lose to the Knicks or Knicks or the Hawks. That'd be pretty brutal. Like and maybe if they did like lose in really, a really ugly fashion in the second round, like maybe that would ne- necessitate some changes. But all right, I guess I, if it's like the the Nets, like maybe not because that's the Nets. <laughs> I got a couple more names for you from the Bulls' perspective. Let me okay. know about these. Kemba Walker. The Celtics have had a really disappointing season. Kemba Walker just turned 31. He has one year left on his deal after this one, and then a player option for $37 million. So in reality, he has two years left on his deal after this season ends. Uh, like I said, just turned 31. His numbers, if you look at him, didn't slip too much. But, you know, he is what appears to be sort of a chronic knee issue moving yeah. forward. Obviously, he's a small guard. He's not going to get to the rim. He's super reliant on pull-ups. The Bulls need a point guard. Uh, If the Celtics, you know, get swept by the Nets, if they want to try to make a move, get rid of Kemba, clear some cap space, would you consider going after Kemba? And Marcus Smart is another name. 
I would think of Smart has one year left on his deal. I think he's absolutely the heart of the Celtics. Uh, would they move on from him? I mean, if the Celtics really want to shake it up after a disappointing season, Smart is one guy who, you know, he makes $14 million. Uh, maybe they won't want to commit to him after this season's over. So what do you think of Kemba? I have thought about Kemba. I am... I go back and forth. Like the knee thing is scary. He has looked a lot better lately. He was pretty good in that playing game against the Wizards. I think in general, just like he's looked a bit more like himself. Uh, I think you really do worry about the knee stuff. Like if you can get him for like, I, like I wouldn't give up a lot for him, but like I guess I wouldn't hate it. I mean, it is just what one or two years. Uh, he would be. An, I mean, I guess you. I mean, he would obviously be an upgrade. If, as long as he's healthy, he's obviously better than Kobe White uh, and would be another good score. Again, I think you do worry about the defensive stuff. Again, uh, with, I mean, similar stuff with Kobe. He's small. Uh, he gets targeted at this point. So, like, I think you have, have to worry about that there. So, like I said, I go back and forth on it. I wouldn't give up a lot for him if the Bulls did do that. And, like, for I, I, would, I wouldn't hate it. I could talk myself into it just because Kemba is a fun player when he's healthy and can get really good going. Marty Smart, I do kind of think the Celtics, if they, I mean, they're going to lose to the Nets. Who are we kidding? Uh, I don't think it's, it would be crazy if they did move on from him. Just to, sh- okay, just to shake things up. His, he's, as you mentioned, he's always been uh, the, the heart and soul of that team. But just like his offense has never really developed that much. His shooting percentages, are, I think, have, were terrible this season. Again, this was just a weird season for the Celtics. I mean, maybe they don't want to do anything super drastic after such a, a goofy with all the injuries with COVID, but like, I mean, smart shot 40 under 40% the last couple seasons. I know his impact isn't always measured by shooting percentages and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, if you're looking to shake things up I mean, those two guys probably are the, the top options because obviously Tatum and Brown aren't going anywhere. Robert Williams. I think they, they like as a center, if he can stay healthy uh, and then around there, I mean, I think they'd like to bring back Evan Fournier, uh, give him an opportunity there. So around there, I mean, smart's been there forever. Kemba's got the big deal on the health issue, so those two probably are the guys. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, Smart would bring. I mean, the Bulls need wing defense; they need that kind of toughness. They need they need that kind of dog, as Chris Dunn likes to say. So, like, I would I would look into the both of them. I I don't know if I'd love either either guy, but I mean, they they would make the Bulls better. I think. I think I would love Marcus Smart. If they could somehow get Marcus Smart on this team, I think that that would be absolutely tremendous. I don't know if it benefits the Celtics to do that, but. Uh, to me, it seems like the perfect type of guy the Bulls want next to Levine and Vucevic. Uh, and then the other team I'm really looking at is the Pacers. They have the yeah. play game tonight yeah. where they're either going to be the eighth seed or they're going to be eliminated. Uh, the Pacers, to me, could be in for a fire sale the same way the Magic were in for a fire sale. So, you know, I've mentioned Brogdon a few times. I think Brogdon is also a guy who would be a great fit if he's healthy. Like Kemba, he has sort of lingering injury issues moving forward. Uh, that limited him in the second half of this season. So uh, you got to make sure Brogdon, I think it was a quad injury he had. So you got to make sure he's good to go. But, you know, would they consider moving Sabonis? Would they, you know, TJ Warren, I think, could definitely move. Miles Turner could definitely move. Uh, So I'm interested in that, too. Like, I think if Brogdon was healthy, he'd be amazing. Not yeah, sure. I would. Yeah, I mean, Brogdon, we we talked about as a good fit going back to when they could have possibly signed him a couple of years. How about ago. Warren? Though, or how about you know? What do you think about that? Or even the last? Yeah, I know he's he's coming off of surgery as well. But I mean, the guy gets buckets. He could slot in at the three for you. Uh, I mean, I would. I 
I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would be surprised if they traded Sabonis. I know there were the rumors out there about Brogdon and Sabonis. Uh, he is really good uh, in his like, going into his prime. I guess if they're really looking to blow things up, I mean, maybe. Uh, I know Turner's been on the block, so I, I feel like they'd maybe trade him first. Although I know Turner is like a defensive player of the year candidate. He's been hurt as well. Uh, they are definitely interesting to look at, though, because a lot of people thought they'd be better. They've kind of dealt with the injury thing this season as well. They've, I mean, missed a ton of guys. So they have Karis LeVert there now, too, as well. Uh, so I, I could see them maybe maybe doing a thing where they build around LeVert and Sabonis, and they'd maybe trade Turner and Brogdon for something else. I could I could maybe see them going that route. or I mean, basically, like, picking a couple of those guys and then shifting uh, other guys around them. Uh, and I guess since you brought up the Pacers, I'll give a shout out to Doug McDermott for scoring like 14 points in like the first five minutes the other day. And I think he ended up with 20 something. We talked about on our last pod, uh, former Bulls going off and Dougie McBuckets, huge play in tournament game. So good for him. And, uh, you know, one comment would love to get some picks on the Knicks Hawks. Uh, oh, man. You know, we can wrap this up. Yeah, we'll wrap up here. This will be it for us. So. I would go Knicks in six, I think. Uh, I am a little surprised that the Knicks are an overwhelming favorite. If you just look at the ESPN writers who picked this series, I think it was something like 14 people picked the Knicks, three people picked the Hawks. The Hawks are dangerous for sure. I think that it's going to be fascinating to see Trey Young in the playoffs. It's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, if Bogdanovich can continue his tear because he's been amazing over the last month of the season for Atlanta. Uh, but I just trust our boy Tibbs. I trust our boy Tibbs to come up with a good defensive game plan. Uh, the Knicks have been playing just fantastic ball in the second half of the season. So I'm going Knicks in six. What do you think, Jace? I think it's going to go seven. I am worried about the Knicks' late game offense. Uh, these last like couple weeks, I've watched a few of these Knicks games where they just completely go in the tank offensively. And it's basically just like, Give the ball to Julius Randle, and he throws up a garbage shot. Uh, and he's obviously been awesome this season. He like His development this season into a 40% three-point shooter on high volume, uh, the playmaking uh, has been incredible. He's great, but just, again, too often their offense, late-game offense, just bogs down. They almost blew the, Celt- a, a game against the Celtics team playing nobody because of that. They blew the Lakers game because of that. I think they almost blew the Hornets game because of that, where they just go minutes on end with like no field goals and it just bogs down. And I'm worried about that in the playoffs, especially against a Hawks team that they're decent defensively. And I feel like the Hawks are more talented. At least one healthy. I'd have to look at their injury report because I know Cam Reddish is still out. Uh, Hunter has been dealing with injuries this season. I, I mean, Gallo's hurt all the time. They've, they've just had a really long injury list. So like, part of me wants to take the Hawks just because I think they're more talented. And I think with Trey Young at the end of games, they have a, possibly a better opportunity to just get crunch time buckets. But uh, it is just hard to go against the Knicks and our, and our guide Tibbs. They've been such a great story. Their defense is elite. Nerlens Noel is a monster in the middle. Obviously, D. Rose is six-man-of-the-year candidate off the bench. Uh, I would love if Tibbs would stop playing Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton is basically the, Keith, the new Keith Bogans where he plays six or seven minutes to start halves and then just never plays again. Uh, just because, I mean, they have Rose. They have Emmanuel Quickly. They have, uh, I know Tibbs said he might dust off Frank Nielakina to guard Trey Young. Uh, just stop playing Alfred Payton, Tibbs, please. Uh, so I guess I'd go. Maybe I'll go with Nixon seven. Like I said, I think it'll go seven. And a lot of me part wants to pick the Hawks, but I just won't go against Tibbs, and I'll give the Nick give the Knicks this one. All right. Well, I think you can sign off here, Jace. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Colin. You asked a bunch of questions, came up here. Thank you, guys. And thanks to the other people who commented and, and listened uh, to us today. Uh, as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network with the playoff play-ins going on right now, the playoffs coming up. Obviously, tons of great NBA content all across the Blue Wire Network. So go check all of that out. Uh, and for us here at Cash Considerations, please rate and review us. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, in order to find us on Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Uh, Ricky's at SBN underscore Ricky. This pod will be up later if you caught some of this. If you want to get the whole thing up later tonight, it'll obviously be after the playing game tonight, which is what uh, Wizards and Pacers. So we'll see who wins that game. Uh, so we'll talk to you guys next time. Obviously, happy playoffs, everybody. We got a couple more playing games. And the playoffs start this weekend. Always a lot of fun. Be much better if the Bulls are actually playing it, but hopefully next season. So we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks again for listening and participating. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.